Welcome to another episode of Talking With Kevin and Son and People You Should Know. This episode is brought to you by RMK Productions, a division of 10 United, the podcast network. Through the power of story, we are our mission is to uplift through the power of our voice, inspire and share experience and perspectives using the framework of teaching and learning. Our purpose is hope, H-O-P-E, helping other people every day. This episode is not a planned recording. It's more of an impromptu. Um, I wrote a book um, last year called Indispensable Games of X's and O's. How I learned everything about life. I learned playing high school football. Now for my, my, my listeners, I'm going to have to ask you to be patient with me because I need to kind of set up the way this story is going to go. I have a special guest to me. This someone personal to my heart, my high school football coach, Mr. Joe Russo from Dayton, Ohio. But before I formally introduce him and we, we share our stories, I want to tell you where my story began. I was in the third grade. I could have been about eight, nine years old. I don't remember which one. And when we started, my birthday's in December. I left the house like any other eight-year-old. I lived a block away from my elementary school, McNary Elementary on Hoover Avenue in Dayton, Ohio. I entered the school and my day was like any other third grader. You know, I went from one room to another classroom. I uh, either was paying attention or cutting up. Chances are I was cutting up. I, and you know, I liked the attention. I came home that, that after school and I was safely say between 2.15, 3.30, put the key in the lock, opened the door at 5.59 Cedarhurst and my life changed. As I entered the house, the couch on the right was empty. As I walked through the kitchen, the kitchen was empty. My mother had conveniently moved from Dayton, Ohio to Beverly Hills 9021. And somehow she left in charge my father which systematically figured out a way not to, to meet, his, meet his obligations of his mortgage. And he soon relocated me and my brothers and sisters, Dwight, Dwayne, Daria, Rhonda, Tammy, and Mac, to 559, C, I mean to 710 Shoop Avenue in Dayton, Ohio. His childhood home, my grandparents. My grandparents had a very strong religious uh, background. If you know anyone that grew up Baptist, you, you know how we were raised. So at, at, at home, I did everything right. When I left the home, I compromised everything that I was being taught. I had a good friend by the name of Paul Moore, great guy. We called him Paul Bullymore. We had a friend that had been um, attacked and robbed of his paper route. Back then in my day, how we got our news, it was delivered by some little kid and this was his side hustle. He rolled by your house and he tossed a, a roll of paper with a rubber band to your porch and hopefully it landed. Uh, and in, in the event that it did, you were lucky enough in order to read the daily news and didn't have to get um, leaves, snow or anything off of it. Well, the young man that decided to separate him from his earnings, we found and we decided to give what that at that time was street justice. An eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Wasn't like it, it is today that you take your life in your own hands. By the end of the summer, Vanessa Birdsong had had a house party celebrating the transition from going to middle school to high school. Little did I know by sitting in a basement waiting for a slow jam to come up that the four individuals coming down the stairs, one of them I had a history with, the other three I had none. But soon 
I would be acquainted with all four. Chest to chest, we stood. He looked up at me. I looked down at, at him. He pushed me. I pushed him back. Vanessa Birdsong stepped right in the middle, said, not my mama's house. You had to take this outside. This was the young man that Paul Moore and I had uh, defended and uh, reclaimed the, the financial investment that they had taken from our neighbor. And we just figured two against four. It was a fair fight. Unbeknownst to them, when we took off our jackets, they, they, they pulled out guns. At that time, Paul Moore and I both retreated <clears throat> to the closest um, place to hide, which was Westwood uh, Swimming Hole, someplace that we enjoyed during the summer. I fantasize all the time during, during the summer about having a glimpse into one of the rooms, the girls' um, locker room, and I found myself today face down in what I was hoping was water and not someone's DNA. And I listened to the snap, crackle, pop as the cinder blocks around me uh, shattered in uh, shards. Knowing that soon they would cross the, um, the same obstacle defense on the east side of the fence, Paul and I uh, hurtled over the, the west side of the fence. I learned two things that night. One, I had world-class speed. And the other, I asked God if I got home without any bullet holes in my body that I was gonna change my life. Fast forward to my freshman year at Roosevelt High School, the Mighty Teddies. Same jacket I, I, I wore. I have the letter that the man that I speak to. Um, and I honestly <clears throat> was trying to make sure that I didn't get emotional doing this because this takes me back. So please bear with me, listeners, because um, when you give thanks to the, 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 the man that molded your life, it is hard um, not to become emotional. But I remember when we walked into the gym room, girls on one side of Bleacher, the boys on the other. Coach Russo um, was my it was my first introduction to Coach Russo. He read off the roll and with a very um, thick Italian accent, you know, called out, out my name amongst the other young men. And at the end of it, he asked how many young men were going out for freshman football. <laughs> I look back at it at, at now and I and I laugh. Because every boy raised up their hand and Coach Russo had this look in his eyes and my hands were still sitting on my lap. Coach Russo looked at me. My, my attention was drawn to a young lady by the name of Pam Jones. And she looked at me and goes, and this was all in my mind. Kevin, if you, you play football, I'm going to come and see you every day. Not knowing what I was doing and what I was committed to, I sat there and stuck out my chest. I raised up my hand. Coach Russo took my name down. Two weeks had passed since my introduction with Coach Russo, and I came home every single day. And I told my father that when I was leaving the house after school, I was going to football practice. Did not know that one of my father's closest friends' son was on our football team, Mr. John Williams. My father had offered to give me uh, a ride to football practice, which I declined, knowing that if my father had found out I had lied to him, I was taking my life in my own hands. Told my father that I would ride. Uh, I would run down to, to the practice field. He said, what time you had to be there? Not knowing the time football practice. And I looked at the clock and I said, um, uh, I got 30 minutes to get there. And my father said, I'll give you a ride. I said, no, dad, I can run. He goes, it's five miles away. He says, you can run five miles in, in 30 minutes. And I had not put two, two and two together. This lie kept getting bigger and bigger. So my father uh, opened the door to his Chevy Impala. And on the passenger side was John Williams' father not knowing what the outcome of the day's events was gonna be just before we pulled up to Grace A. Green 
uh, football field, I saw the only familiar face down in the pit because Grace A. Green, our football field, was um, uh, downhill on the on the football field. So before the car came to a stop, I rode down, jumped out the car, ran down to the field, and I walked her to Coach Russo. And I said, please, Mr. Russo, I told my father that I was on the football team. I said he would kill me if he found out I had lied to him. And this is to my memory. I, I don't think Coach Russo even knows this part of the story outside of reading the book. He looked at me and he looked up at my, at my father. And to this very day, in my mind, I think both of them had had a conversation because Coach Russo turned to me and says, go over there and line up with the other boys. And that was the beginning of my football career. So for those of you that uh, are listening, 1.6 million kids every single day are coached by some coach, someone's son that decided to give back, someone's son that, de that decided to sacrifice time away from his family to give something back to someone else's child. My, <clears throat> my life would not be the life that I have right now if it hadn't been for me meeting Mr. Joe Russo. So, Coach, <laughs> welcome to my podcast on unscripted today of talking with Kevin and son. And you're just talking to Kevin. Thank you, sir. This is my tribute to you. How are you doing? Excellent. Um, that was, that was great lead up. That was basically, <laughs> there's a lot to that. <laughs> that was great. Hey coach, you and I have talked on the, on the phone a couple of times. I have not, um, spoken with you and we have not seen each other until today, but we have talked. It's been almost 50 years since um, my introduction, 1973, um, I entered the doors of Roosevelt High School. I tell people every day, even though I graduated from Dayton Roth, my heart is still more connected to Dayton Roosevelt than anything else. That institution that's on Third Avenue in, in Dayton was the largest public school and it by far, and you and I could share this conversation, was such a unique school. And you have a lot longer history than I did. Um, tell us about how you came to be uh, coach, teacher, mentor, leader, father of such a great institution. I was lucky. That's number one. Okay. Um, I was high a week after school started and um, I was at my mom's home in uh, New Jersey when the uh, human relations gentleman called up and said he needed a physical education teacher in my house. My mom was the only one who answered the phone and she said, certainly he'll be there. What day, what time? <laughs> <laughs> And um, school had started before Labor Day, about a, a week before Labor Day. And I got this call, or she got the call on Friday. And he told her Tuesday, 8 o'clock, he'll be there. I was in the other room. I was saying, who's she talking to? What's she doing? She came in and said, I just got you a job. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I said, where, when, what? <laughs> and uh, she explained it to me and um, okay I, my heart was set on being a history teacher um, but 
my mom accepted the job and I was going to be a physics teacher. Fine. Because that's how I did my student teaching in the history over at Dunbar High School. <laughs> anyway, it, it, you know, I, Coach Montgomery w- was new at the school. Coach Clark was new at the school. Uh, there were quite a few changes happening at that time with the um, um, faculty. They had a court order to have a 70, 30 uh, percent black white ratio. Um, at Roosevelt, they had to have 30 percent white uh, teachers. And uh, the person who had preceded me didn't stay but a week and decided this wasn't for him and left. And that's how I got the opportunity. But I was at the time didn't realize that I was surrounded by people much, much greater than me, just like you felt when you came there. Lucinda Adams, Tom Montgomery, Tom Clemens, Grant Clark, uh, just numerous, you know, uh, Mr. Stapleton, Mr. Perkins, just numerous people, Mrs. Moses, you know, uh, son Edwin was Olympic champion, as well Lucinda Adams. She was an Olympic champion, ran with Wilma uh, Rudolph. So these are great people, great individuals, just fantastic. And um, it was just, oh, my God. You know, they taught me more than I taught them. But one of the things I always wanted to do, like you said, I wanted to be a coach. I wanted to help kids. I grew up in the city. You know, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. So I understood a little bit about the um, the toughness of the neighborhood, <laughs> you know, and um, it was a tough neighborhood. <laughs> it, just, just so our, our listeners know, Roosevelt High School is the largest um, city public black school uh, in Dayton, Ohio. It was uh, dominating. It was a force to be reckoned with. You name the sport, we dominated in the sport. Any child that had any gift athletic ability or talent, um, they came to our school. We had the largest city band there, and we had the best educators there. I'm sorry for cutting you off, but I, I just wanted to make sure my, my listeners understood the, the, uh, the spectrum of the school we had. Oh, it, it, you know, the people. It, places are one thing, but people make the place. And that was the key to Roosevelt, the pride. The pride the students, the faculty had, I mean, I was in tears the very first pep assembly. And we only would have maybe one or two uh, pep assemblies. I was in tears. You could feel the pride. You could feel the sense of ownership. You could feel it, it was just in the air, in the auditorium. It was, you know... I went to an all-boys Catholic high school in Brooklyn, New York. We had a lot of pride. As a matter of fact, to this day, there's 12 of us that still meet if we can once a year. or We all played football together. (laughs) (laughs) But um, it's the the schools, um, though they um, closed it down in the early 70s, they still have a um, homecoming for the uh, alumni. And it, the school has been closed almost 50 years. 
four or five hundred of us still attended. Yeah, I just got a letter the other day. Um, and um, October the 7th is the next basic alumni dinner. It, 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 but as, as much pride as we had at that school, Roosevelt was, was ten times more. Roosevelt was, was, I've never been to another place where the students and the faculty and everyone was just just so um, dedicated to one another. Make certain that you get the point across that we are here for you, but you are here to work. <laughs> yes, and, and we and we did work. I re I remember when I walked through those mammoth doors in the center, and the first thing they said, "Do not step on the seal." And oh. for and for some reason, there was always one student. That was always guarding that seal. You remember that? <laughs> <laughs> it was unbelievable how that seal was avoided. And Mrs. Mobley would sit right there, if you remember. Yep. And uh, she would call and be careful now. <laughs> yep, <laughs> what a yep. great, uh, you know, there, there you go. She was just a, uh, I guess what we would call today a paraprofessional. But she was a graduate of Roosevelt also. And she, yeah. she had as much pride as anyone did. You know, it's a great lady. Uh, uh, her son Rufus was there at the time, if you remember him. Uh, yeah, um, it, it's it, it's just like family. It, it you know? was family. It I have never ever on any level of my sports career ever experienced anything like that. But I do have to ask a question. I remember, and maybe my memory and your memory isn't not quite in line. I think when I I put on a uniform, I was 135 pounds. I'm, I'm still. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out out of all the positions I could have played you put me at nose guard in the center of the field with all the big kids I, do you remember that? no <laughs> I was nice to you though <laughs> no you, I knew you were quick quickness was the, size wasn't a big deal at nose guard um, in college I played with a kid who was 188 pounds who, uh, who played nose for us uh, at the University of Dayton. And believe me, it, it, he was so quick. He was by the center before the center snapped the ball. And so, boom, you know, that's where you were going. <laughs> I, 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 re I remember that the, the first time on, uh, I blocked a, a punt block. Um, and uh, you put your arms, <clears throat> arms around me. God, this is hard for me. But um, I, I remember every single time that we, we had them backed up against the wall. Um, and they were, um, and, I, and I remember freshman year, I had a couple of batted down um, um, punts. I remember two that I actually caught and ran into the uh, end zone. But I also remember looking back at it. I wasn't trying to block the ball. I remember the day that you put your arm around me. My father was not a very um, hands-on, touchy feeling, but all I want to do is make you proud. Well, you've done it. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. You're one of, one of the many, thank God, that, you know, we got to and you've been successful. And I don't mean uh, economically, I mean as a person. And you're giving back 
you know, to the community. And I think that's, that's the key for all of us, especially now, to make certain that we reach across with one another and understand that we're here to help one another, not hurt one another. Yeah, this, um, I, I, I've always said, and I said this to a good friend uh, a couple of days ago, when he was talking about that, you know, how much he wanted to give to kids. And he said he wasn't in a position where, you know, he would, he had a great amount of wealth in order to draw uh, people to, to see him. And, um, but he said that he had a commitment because someone like you had an impact on uh, his life. And I waited until he paused and I said, wealth is not predicated or dictated by the amount of money you deposit into your account. Wealth is um, dictated by the amount that you deposit into the world. You, you have no idea of the impact you had on my life. I mean, I, I, I had an option to, to do what many people in my neighborhood were doing, taking risks and letting the system um, be right. But a lot of days you gave encouraging words in order to, that inspired me, that lifted me up, that made me feel like I belong. I was on a, a team of superstars. And I, I remember the first conversation I had with you and I kept looking over at uh, the varsity squad. At that time, the only varsity player that we had at that time was Larry Lee as a freshman. Larry Lee ha happened to you know, go on and have a career in the pros. And I remember Marshall Parks divided um, playing on the reserves to the, the varsity team. And I kept saying, you know, what do I have to do you know, to, to make that team? You kept telling me that you know, a lot of freshmen don't make that team. And every single day of practice, I kind of looked over because they had the, the nice practice jerseys. We kind of had the hand-me-downs like little step kids. <laughs> but, um, you know, there, there, was some, there was something unique because even that we were freshmen, we were all one team. When the teams got together, it wasn't the varsity team, the reserve team, or the freshman team. The same message that was given to one was given to all. You were part of that. Um, the, the coaches weren't coaching for um, financial gain or to, to advance their career. You guys had a personal connection with each and every last one of us. I, I remember, you know, for the first year, I didn't know some of my team players' names because, you know, we had Tank, we had Booty, you know, we all had <laughs> nicknames. And I just figured, I said, their parents were confused. And, that, and it wasn't until the name, I got the name Squirrel, that I, I realized that the nicknames were, were a term of endearment. Um, right, right. They're more important. <laughs> yeah. Um, so 1973, I remember um, like there was no tomorrow. I, rem I remember some, you know, we were we were had a winning season when we lost one game that season. And um, the one day that I, I skipped school and the only day I had perfect attendance all the way into my freshman year. And that one, that one day um, going into my sophomore year. I decided to skip school to hang out with some chick. Um, and I thought it was my fault when they announced that Roosevelt High School was closing. I did not know at that time why. I don't know if you got the news before, but can you share with our, our listeners that, that experience and what that call and what it meant to you that day? Well, <clears throat> uh, we were told at a faculty meeting 
and by Mr. Webb, who um, was the principal, that um, they were closing Roosevelt. So then they would be starting uh, integrating the east side of Dayton with the west side of Dayton. And Roosevelt had to be closed. Now, who made that decision? We weren't told. But we were, not just athletically, but in so many ways, one of the best schools in, in southwest Ohio. Yes. And uh, when they decided to close it, I think it was because Roosevelt was in the heart of the west side of Dayton. And they thought that uh, the east side would not want to, to come to Roosevelt High School. And um, are, you, are, you, are you being politically correct and saying the white students wouldn't come to Roosevelt High School? I don't know. You know, students, I wouldn't say students because, you know, young people can adapt and young people can do so many things. Um, you know, and, and um, whether, you know, you want to say their parents or the thought process or whatever. But, you know, basically the white people that someone thought they would not attend Roosevelt High School. I, and like I said, I don't know who made that decision. And uh, uh, Judge Rice, who is still the federal judge here, believe it or not, was uh, a big part of the uh, of those uh, decisions that were made to integrate the Dayton public schools and not have all black and all white schools. And I don't know the reasoning, but um, it, it was like a shock. You know, my 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 first year teaching at Roosevelt in May, Mr. Webb called me in and gave me a pink slip. I was fired. But he he put it on the desk, but he put his hand on it. He said, before you take this, I want you to know, don't you go anywhere because you're going to be back here in September. <laughs> <laughs> he said, don't you worry about it. He said, I don't want you... Don't you worry about it. And it was like, okay, you know, I believed him. And I was back there in September. You know, it was just something that um, they did so that they didn't have too many teachers, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. Um, but he promised me I'd be back, and I believed him, and I never went looking for another teaching job. Um, <clears throat> and I was back there, but. It, it, like I said, it was such a family. It was like, oh no, why are you doing this? The 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 kids at Roosevelt, once they believed that you were there for them, once they trust trusted you, you they, they would you know there was no better uh, kid in the world. That was, that that was the the unique thing. Uh, and part of my, my emotional learning at Roosevelt High School is that even though outside and in our homes, we were taught to be cautious based on race, even right. though my family constantly told us there was a system that was working against us, that 
was imprisoning people of color faster um, than any other's traffic ticket. Never once, never once, and I'll repeat for the third time, and I, I learned this from, from you, it's like I, when, I'm, when I'm doing public speaking, I, I, I happen to teach things in threes, and I repeat it in threes, like, you know, it's like the first time, you know, no one heard it. I remember when you used to say things, and then you would repeat it, and then there would be a different inflection on how you repeat it, and I used to step back and say, did he not think we heard it the first time? <laughs> <laughs> but um, never once that race, economics, or personal situations ever come into the conversation of who we were as a Teddy. From day one, we were not separated by anything else, but we were bonded together by being a mighty Teddy. And I remember singing that fight song every single time we got on the bus. <laughs> right. I remember watching, I remember the coaches singing the fight song every uh -huh. single time. It, the, the the pride, the spirit, uh, you know, you remember Dougie Thomas? I remember Dougie. And, yeah, and uh, he was in that group, right? Yeah, yep. uh, Dougie was in that group. Marshall Parks, Larry Larry Lee, mm -hmm. uh, Leroy Gatewood, um, Buck Buchanan. Well, he um, was custodian at one of the schools I was at, and I said, you know, I, I, I need a broom. I want to sweep out you know you know back in here in, in the gym and stuff next day he, he hands me a broom and says it's got your name on it <laughs> <laughs> I, just like, I mean that's that's the type you know some people say okay here's your broom no it's got your name on it, <laughs> it, it it's that's that personal thing that you can't make up that you know that that's how we were to one another and um this is just maybe eight nine years ago because i taught up to uh i just retired in 2017 i taught for 47 years in the dayton public schools and um it, you know <laughs> it, it it's it's been my whole life yeah well I, I, I want to um, go from the past and fa fast forward because this today is my tribute to, to you. Um, when my book was released, Indispensable Games of X's and O's, I have reached out because I wanted to, to duplicate and clean up my, my varsity jacket. And I sent the guy a copy of my book. And he turned around. He goes, it's Coach Russo. Has he seen the book? And I said, I, I don't know how uh, to get in touch with him. You know, the last person I saw, um, as far as on the coaching staff, I saw Tom Montgomery before he passed. And, um, you know, I had introduced um, Tom Montgomery, Coach Clemens, to uh, my oldest son. And he took my, my, my son aside and showed him some pictures. And he goes, you know, um, he says, your dad, he goes, he was fast. And he repeated it three times. And, you, you know, as an adult, when you tell your kids, you always remember you were better than what um, yeah. uh, you're saying, but it, it was confirmation that I, I was on the same level, just as gifted, you know, as Larry Marshall, Ludi, and all those other guys that, that played um, Smitty. Um, oh, and I, and I, yeah. yep. And Tom has uh, since passed as well as some of the other coaches and some of the, 
uh, many other people that were mentors and father figures in my book, a lot like you. I want to know when you first found out I had written a book and you were in there, what was your response? I said, this is unbelievable. Nobody, <laughs> nobody's ever written a, a, you know, a book, uh, you know, about their coaches. And it, it, as I, as I went through the book, it was like reliving uh, one of the, my, the first part of my teaching career. I mean, I started teaching at, at Roosevelt High School. I was 21 years old. I had some students who were 19. I mean, we could have been buddies. <laughs> you, you, were, you were friends to many of us. I never knew you were that young. I, you were like a father figure to me. <laughs> well, uh, well, I was a little bit older. I was about 23 when you got there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it's, um, you know, uh, Lou Galliardi. You remember Big Lou? I remember Big Lou. And, uh, you know, we had been friends in college and stuff. And uh, it, it was, uh, he was, uh, he was from New York also. And it was just, we, we had so much in common that we didn't realize it. And I, I don't think people understand that today. We have more in common than we do, uh, you know, with, with every person. Uh, in America, we, you know, we've all have shared the same beliefs. We all believe in the same things. It's just not as much opportunity for all of us. And that's that's where the, the racism and the system has got to change and give equal opportunity uh, to everyone. And I think that that's where we're at right now, correcting what needs to be corrected. Unfortunately, and you know, of course, you don't go back and understand the fifties and sixties when I, when I was a kid. But it's changed quite a bit since then. But it still has to continue to change. It still has to progress, and we still have to keep working in that direction. And you know. It's it's very unfortunate, but birds of a feather flock together, and that's we don't get to know each other, and we presume we do. And many of the things, like I said, it was an eye opener for me. Though you know, I always had uh, you know my neighborhood in Brooklyn was mainly white, but when I went to high school, you know. You know, I I, I had uh, black students uh, in, in school with me, black athletes, played with them, against them. So I, I went to college, you know. It, so I had that little bit of experience. There's some people who don't have any of that crossover. And that's that's right now what's probably stopping us from progressing. We and need to, to know one another. And I and I I totally agree with you, and I'm glad you said it versus me. And I hope our, our listeners are, are listening. You know, I, I say this all, all the time when it comes to um, education, especially in our current situation with emotional reasoning. You know, we can't control our history. We can control the history that that we make. And education is not designed for you to be comfortable. 
education is designed for you to think. I met Coach Russo and never once did uh, a conversation um, come up between the, the difference between our color of our skin. We shared the same pur purpose for life and a passion for doing something special and being part of something that was much bigger than this picture of life. This man who, who, who I didn't know in the beginning took me under his wing, put me in a position and put me in harm's way and says, go get him. Um, I'll let you know if you're okay when you get back. <laughs> and um, I, w without even uttering a word, I committed my loyalty and my friendship to him because he took care of me. That, that's pretty much the way the world um, goes. Is there anything that I wrote in this book that stood out or resonated with you that you'd like to share with the audience? Our listener. The, basically, the concept that if you want to achieve something, the greater achievement, the harder the work. Yes. Uh, I mean, and, you know, Coach Montgomery uh, and most of the coaches back then believed that uh, we had to work you hard. And I remember from my high school days, you couldn't run me. I told, I told the coach, you can't run me enough because I wanted to achieve something. You can't, you know, you want to run a mile? We used to run a mile with full equipment on, except for the helmet. And back then, you know, that was pretty heavy equipment. And uh, I came in second, right behind the guy in first who was a track runner. And uh, I, I, I was trying to be first, but, you know, I was up there. That's the concept. You want something, you can work to achieve it. Now, is it going to be easy? No. It's not supposed to be easy. I used to tell uh, my teams, practice hard. Practice even harder. So the games are easy. If you're practicing harder than the other team, the game will be easy. Of course, it helps if you have more talent and speed, but, you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, and, and because of the way that you phrase that is the reason why um, I say indispensable games of X's and O's. Because the, the foundation of the, the learning and the framework of, of how you molded us um, basically it's the framework to life and it goes on to the corporate world. It trans it crosses over uh, gender. You know, you, you know, there's no virtue where there's not a presence of sweat. Nothing comes easy. Life is, ch is challenging. And, you know, if you believe it, you can achieve it. It's not always factual. You, you've got to do the work in order to put the belief in, in order for the achievement to be present at the end of the day. Coach Russo, um, I cannot, I cannot thank you enough. And I, I made several phone calls today uh, to friends and says, how do I do this phone call without crying? Um, and someone just said, be authentic. Um, to say I love you is an understatement. To say that you are um, part of the reason I am who I am today, as far as my character, my work ethic, whatever, is, is an untruth because you are. There are a lot of young men and a lot of young women that have never put on a uniform that will turn the pages of this book. 
and be able to connect. And that's the reason why I wrote it, to make a difference. But there are a lot of young men that will put in this uniform and only see the end results and not the process of how the game is played. As a coach, preparing a young man and young woman for life, what would be the advice you would give to someone's child that someone is being coached by? There's, remember I said 1.6 million uh, children across this country is as being coached by someone just like you. Love we it. all want to be pros. We all want to see the big ticket um, money and, and live the, the big dream, but that's not reality. As a coach preparing a child for, for life, what would be the advice you would give them, Mr. Joe Russo? Well, one, they need to develop self-discipline. That would be the very first thing. And when, right now, today, we are not disciplining our students in school. We're passing them on. We're moving them to the next grade level. And we're giving them things that they didn't earn. That's wrong. And we need to, a kid in the third grade who's not reading at the third grade level, going into the fourth grade, there's no way they can accomplish the fourth grade work. And especially with this pandemic that just happened, we have many more students. And reading is so important. We have to develop the discipline. We have to take that young child and say, here, this morning, we are just going to work on reading. This afternoon, we are just going to work on arithmetic. And forget the fringes. And let's do what they need. Teach them what they need to have. We're, we're skipping over things. So first off, develop this discipline in the students. Don't just give it. We give everybody plays on the Little League and everybody gets a trophy. No, only the winners should get the trophy. You know, it, it, it's, it's a different mindset. We don't want, you know, that's than what than the way I was raised. Um, I'm not going to say it's wrong, but I can see that it hurts in developing self-discipline. And the second thing is developing self-motivation. You have, you motivated yourself. You made the decision to do things. You made the decisions to achieve. I, he does it, I can do it. That's my thought process also. If he can do it, I know I can do it. He does it a lot easier than mine because he's six foot three or whatever. But even though I'm five foot seven, I can still do it. That's the mind. That's the motivation. That's that's the mindset. And so when you talk about, you know, football more than X's and O's, football gives you that discipline. Sports gives you that discipline. Uh, reading gives you that discipline. Achievement. Once you achieve something, you'll. I, I can do more than this. You know, I can run 100 in, in 12 seconds. Well, I could maybe, maybe I could run in 11. Maybe I could break 12. That's where the athletic mind is at. And that's where our kids, that's where we have to train our, our young people. You can do more. And the biggest thing, I, I, I think, if, if, you know, you basically, and this is um, in life, you 
um, and this is Lou Holtz. This is not me. This is not my my thoughts. You have to have something to do in life. You have to have something to believe in in life. You have to have something to look forward to in life. And you have to have someone to love in life. And, um, you know, I honestly believe, you know, yeah. I get up every morning. I look forward to going to school. I enjoy going to school. I like going to school more as a teacher than I did as a student. That's outrageous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I had to do the work. <laughs> yep. You, you have to do the work. So, so coach. I, I, I'm going to going to say this and to our, to our listeners, I want you to make note of what Joe Russo from Dayton, Ohio, my high school coach, the guy that changed my life, that started my life, they pointed me in the right direction. Make notes, take notes of his closing st statement. Tell your children they have to do the work. Let them understand that life is not fair. Everyone doesn't get a trophy. Don Cotton was a young man that played on our football team. And for years, I could not understand why he never made it into a game. But every single day he came to practice, never complained. And the one day he got on the kickoff team, he went in there and played like he was a starting um, varsity player. And we cheered him on. I hope that one day your child, your mother, your father, pays tribute to someone that has enlightened them that has helped mold them the way Joe Russo has and ha has helped educate not only on the field of play, but in the game of life. Make sure the people that are in your life, you speak to them in present tense instead of afterlife. So they'll live out the rest of their life knowing that they made an impression that makes them unforgettable. And so with that said, um, Joe Russo, is there anything you'd like to leave our guests with before I sign off? Well, I'd like to thank you for having me as a guest. And um, I'm glad I was able to help you out. Uh, you know, unbeknownst to me, man, <laughs> how much this would mean to you. But I'm great. I was part of it. Thank you. Thank Mr. you. Mr. Russo, today is your return on your investment. You invested in me. I will promise you until the day I die, I will not let you down. Thank you. So with that said, if you've enjoyed this episode of talking with Kevin today, not with Kevin and son, please like, share, <clears throat> and subscribe. And realize this is an uncut version. We're not editing anything out. We're going to leave it the, exactly the way it is, which is the reason why you know, I brought back the old school jersey, Roosevelt, all day long. I don't know if you can see it. Oh, yes, yes. But I, I want to say to my teammates that protected me, that reached out. I want to say to my coaches that um, have passed on, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to Roosevelt High School, the institution. I also want to say that the people that made the decision to close down one of the greatest schools in, 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 in Dayton, Ohio, you didn't think it through. You didn't know the impact. Because you always have to remember, it's not what you say to a person that makes a difference in this world. It's the impression you make on that person 
long after what you've said and you've left the room. With that said, this is another production of RMK Productions. And I would tell you to reach one, teach one, use the hashtag, find 1000 reasons to be kind with some, to someone. And I will say thank you. And I'll fade to black. Coach Russo, thank you for um, taking the time out to do this interview. Um, you know, like I said, I, I know a lot of times when people um, have impacted people's lives, we normally say this um, when we're standing over a box. I wanted to make sure that you can have something to share with your grandkids, um, with our teammates, our fellow coaches, to let you know at least one person from day one, you changed that person's life. And uh, I still believe that you and my dad had something going on. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell. I can't tell. <laughs> I know. But um, you, you have my number. Feel free to call yeah. me anytime. If I need to come down and um, talk to any student, your, your life or that's in your life, your, your grandkids, whatever, I will come down and it's on me. All right. Thank you. Thank you, you coach. Take care of yourself. Right. You have a nice day. Bye. Okay. <laughs>